two, one. <coughs> Refresh. 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 It's a podcast. It's a podcast. Podcast for those bold enough. Bold enough. Bold enough to radically rethink. How we teach. Learn and achieve. No, come back and bother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Refresh. Today, we are talking about design thinking, which is so hot right now. Right, Amanda? I mean, in a lot of the interviews we have done, people have alluded to this idea or talked about how they're using it. Um, it's definitely a, a framework that people are using in a lot of different fields right now. Um, so we were really excited to talk to Katie, who is a former colleague of ours that we had the pleasure of working with before she joined the D school. Um, she's now the program manager of their K-12 lab, taking all of the ideas and research that the D school at Stanford is coming up with um, and helping bring that framework to educators to implement in their classrooms. Katie has like one of the coolest jobs ever. Like if you do any kind of Google search with her, it's like her and like a Bunsen burner or some kind of laser cutter or 3D printing. Um, so it was so much fun getting to talk with her um, a little bit about the work that they're doing at the K-12 lab network, um, you know, around the design thinking, which, um, you know, when you bring it down to its basic components, it's pretty straightforward and simple. Yeah. For those of you who are not familiar, the the steps of the design thinking process are empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and test. Um, and so we're going to hear a little bit more from Katie about that, especially on that front end of, of empathizing as, as it relates to teachers bringing it to their classrooms. Um, and we think you're really going to enjoy it. Here's Katie. It's Amanda and JD. Hey, how's it going? Fine, how are you? Good. I'm getting over a cold. I'm a little hoarse, but other than that, I'm great. Well, let's just start um, by telling us a little bit about who are you. My name's uh, Katie Kromick. I work as the program manager for the K-12 lab network, which is embedded in the D school at Stanford. Um, university. The D School in general is an institute at Stanford that primarily teaches Stanford students a process for innovation called design thinking. And we work primarily with educators, teaching them design thinking and helping bring the mindset of design thinking to their, their practice. For listeners that might not be familiar with design thinking, can you give us like a brief definition or outline of what, what design thinking is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we believe at the D School that um, innovation is not an event, right? When you ask people about when they have their best ideas or they've come up with a new thing, a lot of times people will say that it kind of struck them, it hit them in the shower or when they were driving home from work. And that's awesome. But we, we here believe that um, it's actually a process that you can teach people so that they can come up with innovative ideas on a consistent basis. 
it's a five-step process. We often teach it in an introductory way as a linear process, but it's not. Like you can um, revisit steps in the process as needed. And those five steps are empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and test. What we mean by empathize is it's really getting a sense for the needs and desires and emotions behind a particular user's feelings about a particular product or experience. So instead of kind of coming up with an invention that you think people want, you go talk to people first about what, how they experience the challenge that you're trying to tackle. And you really dig into their emotions, and we believe that you get real insights and get can get to new places by doing that. So, and that does not look like if you're trying to tackle, you know, dental hygiene, going to a person and talking, you know, asking them straight up, like, how do you brush your teeth? <laughs> you might observe them doing that, but you also want to talk to them about their routine and and what their mouth makes them feel like and think about and and all those kinds of things around that process because we believe that can uncover insights that you can leverage to to get to new ideas. How do you teach teachers to empathize with students? That's a great question. So, I mean, I think that's um, one reason why the process really resonates with educators is that often I think teachers are empathetic people and really, I mean, that's one thing that drew me to the process of design thinking was it was a process that was saying empathy is real and important and it actually should be a part of your work. Um, and I've felt that since I started my career as a teacher, um, that the best classroom management, the best teaching um, was empathy-based. One way that I think we teach educators or just remind them how to empathize with their students is we, um, we always learn by doing here. So when educators come to learn about design thinking, they have an experience with design thinking. And that um, puts them in the posture of being students again, and it, it also pushes them out of their comfort zone. And then we talk about at the end, like, you know, remember that that's what you're asking your students to do every day. Um, and, and so think about how that, that felt and think about when were the moments when you felt um, anxious or stuck and, and how did you move through that and how did the process help you through that and, and how can you leverage that when you're trying to help your students move through that? So that's one thing. I mean, we also just encourage people to um, talk and hear the stories about um, their lives and also immerse. So, you know, we had a um, group from a local school district um, actually have some of their teachers experience a school day as if they were students. So they like literally, you know, got dropped off at school and went through the whole day immersed in the experience. And that gave that middle school team real insight into challenges and problems with their bell schedule and the length of their class period and how hard it is to kind of 
get organized between classes and get to lunch and also find time to socialize. And So you mentioned that, you know, design thinking is really a way of tackling a problem in, in kind of any field, but obviously you work um, specifically in, in education and mentioned that you yourself used to be a teacher. Um, so tell us a little bit about how it is that you, you got into this role and why you think design thinking is, is so important to bring to the field of education. Um, well, I I landed at the D school almost by accident. The arc of my career, I mean, I I went through a traditional teacher certification program that was associated with my college experience. And what drew me to teaching was, I think, a value of empowering students and how important it is to help students to kind of develop a sense of who they are and who they can be, but also a real interest in how you teach things to to kids and um, a real strong identification with, you know, constructivist learning practices, project-based learning, like really helping students to kind of create their own understanding of content. And I have an enjoyment for thinking about the most engaging ways to, to do that and to design those experiences. And because of that, I got a professor of mine, an adjunct professor of mine at, in my education program. He had been a public school teacher and he and a, a cohort of his colleagues um, were going to design an alternative school. This was back in the 90s. He asked me if I wanted to join him. And I, you know, I paused at that offer uh, because I really had envisioned myself as a public school teacher. And I was certified to be a public school teacher. But the opportunity to really experiment and try things that were really radically different was too good to pass up. And then um, my partner and I relocated to the Bay Area. And at that point, I decided I wanted to um, transition out of the classroom, but I still felt um, that education was kind of my calling. And while I was living in the Bay Area, um, I became friends with, and this will get to the D school, very developed a closer friendship with a great um, friend who lives here. And I knew that he was, he had gotten his master's degree at Stanford in product design. And I knew that he was a designer and he worked at this place called the D school, but I didn't know anything more about um, what he did. And he was actually designing curriculum that he um, wanted to test out. And the curriculum was such that it did not require a facilitator. So he, in using classic empathy, observe, observation techniques, sat my partner and I down with this curriculum and watched us kind of go through the experience. And that was incredibly inspiring and eye-opening to me because not only, you know, I mean, I gave him feedback on his designs and everything like that, but I, I just had no idea what design thinking was. And I said to him, like, the way that you're teaching this process and the process itself so resonates with all of the curriculum design work that I've done thus far. And I felt like it was really, you know, just the right amount of scaffolding or structure to really liberate people to get to new ideas. So... I learned early on as a, as a young teacher that you can't give students a blank piece of paper and have them create something amazing. You have to give them direction um, and some scaffolding. And the process just resonated with me incredibly. So he, you know, I said to him, like, keep me in the loop. And, and then there was a job opening, and so I decided to apply, and I, I got that job. I actually came on board here in an operation capacity. The, there was always a K-12 initiative here, but it had kind of, it waned a little bit, and the person who started it came back um, right around the time I joined, and she grew the program, and she, there was an opportunity for me to move over. 
Yeah, that, that's a that's a very interesting path, but but I, it seems like you're exactly where you need to be. You know, I want to go back to what you were talking about with empathy. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of empathizing has to do with thinking back on, you know, when you experienced something similar and, you, you know, remembering how you felt in certain situations. So uh, I'm, I'm really curious to hear about, you know, what you were like as a student and how, if at all, that has informed the way that you work at the D school. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I, you know, I think that as a kid, I loved school and I was always super curious and I loved teachers. I was the kind of kid that was pretty awkward and like it took me a while to figure out how to kind of be with my peers, but I always loved being with adults. And you can just say you were a teacher's pet if that was the case. Totally. I was, I was a little bit of a teacher's pet, although I was also like a problem for teachers. Like I remember my first grade teacher ended up putting a limit on the number of questions I could ask. Oh, no. In a, in a day. That is um, the worst so, way to <laughs> embrace curiosity. <laughs> I know. Well, it's interesting because I remember those experiences. I mean, I was both very curious and also very interested in pleasing my teachers and so I think the reason why I got the limit was because I would ask I would like clarify everything because I didn't want to make any mistakes and that's something that really has resonated with me here at the um the D school I mean we talk a lot about how hard it is for students to make themselves like seek feedback early in time to um really incorporate it and make changes and and how often students especially high achieving students aren't familiar with or comfortable with sharing things that they don't feel are done or complete and that was i was totally that kid mm-hmm. a i wanted to like clarify things to death and b i wanted things to be perfect and it's been really amazing to see the power of kind of giving people license to you know, we talk about um, later on in that process, we talk about prototyping. And you want to prototype things as early and as often as you can. Because, again, if you've spent, you know, two weeks perfecting this thing and you've invested all this time and maybe some money into it, when you go to, to ask people for feedback, they're going to tell, they can tell that you're very invested in that idea. But they also, you know, you're not going to be able to receive their feedback because you are invested and you've invested so much time in that. So that also really resonated with me as I've struggled as a a kid and a student to kind of break out of that perfectionist mode and to kind of really embrace um, taking risks and being vulnerable to improve your ideas despite being a teacher's pet which I totally was I was the kind of kid that felt really strongly about things and what had a real really strong sense of what was right and wrong I I just wouldn't take no for an answer like constantly kind of engaging with adults and leaders at my school about problems that I I saw that I felt like should change and you know in the sixth grade I felt like it wasn't fair that our bus stop was so far from our house. And I, like, started a petition, went around the neighborhood and got people to sign it, and then went to the principal about that. 
And in high school, I sat on um, our school's site council, which was a committee of teachers and administrators and parents and a few students that were charged with kind of tackling different problems at the school and changing policies. And I think that resonates with, we, we talk a lot also about creative confidence. So when you're confident in your ability to creatively solve problems, when you have a process that you can lean on to help you get to new ideas, you don't, you stop accepting kind of the status quo and you start seeing the world in terms of opportunities to make changes. And um, that has always been true for me as well. Um, and I think that's something that's really powerful that we can help educators to develop a sense of in themselves that, you know, it's important to know like what is beyond your control um, and not kind of beat yourself up trying to change things that you can't move the needle on. But helping educators to see like where they do have opportunities to make changes and, and to help them feel confident that it's okay to take those risks and, and try new things is um, really powerful. Great. Well, thank you so much for, for talking with us a little bit. Um, <laughs> it, this was a lot of fun and it's something that, you know, both Amanda and I, and I feel like a lot of people are really curious about. So uh, thanks so much for sharing with us. Yeah. Awesome. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Katie. Bye. Okay. Take care. Bye. that you enjoyed hanging out with Katie. Uh, she is absolutely wonderful and um, so excited to be able to have a chance to sit down and talk with her. Absolutely. And we actually want to send a big congratulations to Katie. Since our interview, she actually has accepted a new position um, at the Innovation Gymnasium at Southern Methodist University in Texas, JD's home state. So we're, yeah, yeah. Really, <laughs> we're really excited for her to be bringing her, her positive energy and ideas um, around design thinking to a new endeavor. So best of luck to Katie. It seems so cool. The Innovation Gymnasium is built um, to change engineering education, and um, it's described as a design studio meets machine shop meets garage. So uh, we can't wait to uh, catch up with Katie and see how everything's going there. Um, they're also... You know, Janie, what? have you noticed that this episode has been sounding like a little bit nicer? Maybe a little more professional? Amanda, I think you're right about that. Why do you think that is? Well, it could be that Refresh welcomed a technical producer, Ellie Tier, who is joining the team for the summer. Woo, 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 woo! woo! Ellie is absolutely fantastic. Uh, she is a bright and shining ball of fun and energy, and um, she's going to be um, helping with us, um, you know, really taking um, our recordings to the next level. Um, Ellie is a documentary filmmaker. She is extremely passionate about education and um, has already done such good work with Refresh. So to learn more about Ellie or Katie's work with the D-School, you can check out our website, refresh.us. 
Um, Katie gave us some exclusive behind-the-scenes tours of the D-School and, and some more detail on the work that they're doing. So definitely check out the blog um, where you'll see all kinds of fun content that you can't get through the podcast. It's summertime in Chicago, so we're hoping that you're getting out, having fun, and of course, keep learning. (laughs) You're continuing to learn. Dang it. Learn outside.